Level One Coach Podcast. We are back uh, this week. We are going to start our conversation, at least, on the idea of what's called awareness clues. And I first learned about it from Fergus Connolly. I went back through some notes that I took him and Cody Royal. If you're familiar, the audience is familiar with those two guys. Uh, they did some Zoom chats when everything kind of got shut down in 2020 and everyone was sitting around. And one of the days they talked about this concept of awareness clues as part of like a bigger chat on like coach performance, coach health, coach sustainability, that bucket. And they didn't really give a definition. They gave some examples. So the definition that I came up with is basically these awareness clues are signs that you see downstream that upstream there might be trouble. And the trouble is sometimes these fall under the level of our awareness. So I'll give you two examples that Fergus gave, and then I'll give you a personal example, and then we'll kick it over to Mikhail and we'll get going on this. So, uh, just for frame of reference to give you some examples on what this might look like based on the definition. Um, if your apartment gets dirty, is that a clue that you're working too much? That was the first one. And then are your players talking to you? Are they coming into the office less? And before I give my personal example, something we were just talking about off air is there has to be this contrast. So if your players don't normally come in and talk to you and then they're not coming in and talking to you, that's not going to be an awareness clue for you. Um, if your apartment is typically messy and your apartment is messy, that's not going to be that like indicator that starts to bubble up to your awareness. Like, hey, is there something wrong? So the first thing to keep in mind is that contrast. And then my personal example is like when I was coaching the junior team and I was kind of starting to get a little bit fed up with just the losing and some of the stuff that was going on off the ice, um, some of the trouble that was going on, um, I started to skip workouts. So like mine would be, I just skipped two workouts. What does that say about my mental state? So that would be a personal example for me. I'll kick it over to you if you have a personal one, or we talked about how this is also something we can clue into on the staff level and also the organization level. Yeah. Um, I think one from a, to reiterate what you said on a personal level, it does matter what like your baseline is or what your relative um, normal level of comparison is. So if, like you said, if you're, you know, like if you're someone who doesn't often work out, then not working out wouldn't be a good clue. For me, I think like one one that came to mind as you were talking that I hadn't really thought of before is like, uh, usually like I try to designate times of the day, whether it's in the morning or at night, or we've talked about like going in the sauna, like where you don't, you don't have your phone on you or you're not like listening, whether it's in the, maybe you're in the car. Um, you're not listening to something, you're not actively like doing anything. And I find that when I'm stressed out or when I'm like nervous or anxious, I have a hard time putting away all those like inputs. So one would be like 
if I get up in the morning and I go walk and I'm like texting the whole time or um, I'm going in the sauna and I bring my phone with me, like probably anxious or not able to like just relax because usually that's something that I can do without needing to look at anything. And And now that I think about this, like that usually occurs on like Saturday mornings usually honestly just Saturday mornings um, or mostly on Saturday mornings. Cause like we played Friday night and now it's like, it's a quick turnaround. And that's generally when I feel like I'm at my most stressed or most like anxious. Uh, Cause, and I don't feel like I can just put the phone away or I can just like not think about anything related to later in that day. Um, even though like in reality, like do you have 20 minutes to walk without any input or do you have, whatever, 25, 30 minutes to sit in the sauna and not have any inputs like, like you do for sure. But it feels like you don't. And so I think that's an awareness clue for me that I, I definitely didn't realize 10 minutes ago before we started, but just like, if you, if you catch yourself doing something different than what is your normal, you want to key in on like, okay, what's really going on here? Because there's probably something beneath the surface that you might not, you honestly might not be aware of. And might not even realize how stressed you are until you recognize like, Hey, this is, this is abnormal for me. Yeah. The other one I thought of while you were talking, that's like, I think it was something that I defaulted to, and I might've talked about this on an earlier episode, but like, it was essentially like a form of procrastination where when things weren't going well for me coaching, I was like reading a lot and like I read a decent amount, just like different inputs helps with my writing, getting different perspectives. Like every coach to a man, like has the badge that they, they read shit. And like, so I read shit, but like, it was almost like compulsive and like out of the ordinary amount of reading that I was doing. And it was just like putting off either what needed to be done or I couldn't like sit with myself, like you were saying, with like the sauna or whatever. Like I couldn't relax and just be with myself. So I needed another input, another. Some people do it with podcasts. Some people do it with. I did it with books when I was coaching. But I think just like if you're really procrastinating doing whatever other than the thing that you should be doing, like what is that telling you about your mental state? What is, you know, kind of the awareness? clue there that's like beating you over the head that you should kind of check in on so that was another one yeah i think it's it's hard sometimes to recognize those because like you get so wrapped up in whatever it is that you're doing in that moment or in that it's not a moment it's it can be days or weeks at a time but you get wrapped up in that and you start only thinking about those things and um probably another one for me that just hearing you say that is like the inability to talk about or think about anything else other than whatever that is. Like if it's a game or a practice or a recruiting or whatever like if i find myself only talking about that to family friends girlfriend then like it's probably probably taking over a little bit um and becoming more stressful than it needs to be and that's something that's hard to recognize like is this really worth stressing out to this extent over um 
and maybe stressing out isn't always the right word, but if it's occupying that much mental real estate that you can't talk about other things or, or you're listening to someone talk about something, you know, you're listening to a completely different conversation with your friends or girlfriend, parents, and they're talking about something totally unrelated. And all you can think about is this same thing that pertains to whatever coaching hockey, like that's not good. <laughs> you got to be able to like click out, check out, not think about it for a little bit. It's not going anywhere. Um, and that, you know, it doesn't mean like checking out for a full two weeks is a good idea, but like if you can't come home or have a break in your day and not be focused on it for the entirety of that time span, like it's at that point, it's not, it's not productive. Um, and I think of like, we've talked about this before, but like your biggest, a lot of times like those breakthrough moments or those ideas that come through to you, they're during times where you're not actively thinking about something when you're showering or walking or whatever. So if you're constantly focusing on this one thing and thinking about this one thing all the time, every day, you're probably not going to have the best, not even that there may not be a solution that you need to find, but you just may not have the best thoughts and the best, um, like the best ability to tackle whatever it is just because you're always thinking about it. Yeah, that's actually as you were talking, like I was fucking over here giggling because like that, I didn't think about that, but that was one that actually like resonated really hard with me because I was also doing that. And whether it's like through all the trauma, I suppressed it or whatever, but you brought that back out. But like we would be, I remember like we had like a fall wedding during the season and like we didn't have games and we went out of town back to she lives in wisconsin and we went back to wisconsin for something and like like you were saying every conversation we were supposed to be here at this wedding celebrating these two people or like at coffee in the morning hanging out with each other and like she would say something unrelated to hockey and i would always find a way to like oh that like bring it back to this like that reminds me of this player that's dealing with this and i was just like Looking back, I was like, wow, like, I have a shit ton of room to grow here. But, like, in the moment, that's all that, like, you live it and breathe it. And you think that's, like, I don't even know if you think that's what you're supposed to be doing. But you're just so, like, deluded that you can't even separate. Like, I should be here right now where my feet are. And, like, I am not. So, yeah, that was definitely, as you were talking, something that really clicked with me too yeah it's it's hard to notice because like it does matter to you and it is important and so i think there's a balance like i think you can be doing other things like your example be at a wedding and still be thinking about what's going on in your other you know like the other realms of your life the hockey or the coaching aspects like i think it's fine to be thinking about those things and excited or or even like nervous like that's okay but where it consumes everything that you think about or everything that you talk about. And when you get onto a, you know, like you said, you're talking about a totally unrelated topic and then you somehow bring it back to that. It's like now like you're getting into that negative territory where like you don't need to bring it back to this and it's okay to, to take a break from it. Um, because ultimately like breaks are meant to be, be a break like whether it's a wedding or just a, a Sunday where you're not doing something related to hockey or like those and you and you hear like professional athletes and professional coaches say this all the time like 
I take time off at X point in the year because it allows me to be my best later on. Or the, the break I give my body allows me to not get injured during the season. Like whatever that that is, like I think in coaching, it can be a really hard thing to do because theoretically, like I'm not going to injure my legs by watching more film or I'm not going to like injure my brain even by continuing to think about our forecheck. But, and I, I, I feel like I've brought up this example before, but there was one year uh, we had the week of Thanksgiving off. It was one of my, one of my uh, years at Curry and we had Thanksgiving week off and I pretty much spent the whole week at home at my parents' house, like making calls with recruiting and like just looking at different schedules and watching some film on, it was all like recruiting based cause we didn't have games that weekend and we weren't playing for another like 10 days. So I didn't feel like there was a lot to do with our actual team. So I just spent this like vast amount of time working on recruiting stuff. And I'm sure it was like good, I guess I say good. And like air quotes, like maybe it was good to like polish up where we were at with our lists and I don't know, like maybe it was helpful. But I remember coming back the week after Thanksgiving and feeling like I didn't even get a break. Like I didn't do anything that was like all the stuff that you can't do during the year, like as much of whether that's like spend as much time working out or um, for me, like spending time just like watching a show or reading like those things you don't do a lot of during the year. And I wasn't able to do like any of that over the the break because I just spent the whole time looking at different hockey stuff and and I kind of like told myself afterwards like I can't do that again in the future if you get like three days off like take the three days off because then when you come back you don't get that time to do those other things read hang out watch tv like it's not going to come once you get back from break and um it's I I do think it's a hard thing I think it's easier when you're playing because you're like, I'm home. I didn't bring my bag or I don't have the access to a rink or a gym. Like I usually do whatever it is. Um, so it's like you're forced to take a break. But I think when you're, when you're coaching or when you're working in an, even like a non coaching job, just like a business job or a finance job, like it is hard. Like everyone's got laptops and you bring your shit with you everywhere. So you're just like, oh, yeah, I can get on and like watch them instead or I can get on like whatever. I don't know what people in finance do because I'm just not educated on it. But you can go do that on on your computer when you're home. And so like you don't you really don't ever get a break from it. And I think I don't think it allows you to be at your full potential when you do come back if you're just constantly grinding away, so to speak. Yeah, as you were just kind of putting a thought train together as you were speaking there but like as you were telling kind of your personal story about like not taking a break on break and then um just like the forcing function that you were talking about that not bringing your bag home creates like you can't go skate if there's like if you eliminate your hockey bag you cannot go skate so like how can we and i started thinking of like phone apps and how you can set limits like, how can we create a forcing function when we're um, at some of these events or on break where we can force ourselves not to work? And, like, something that I do right now that I haven't connected to hockey is, like, when we go out on, like, a dinner date, I won't even bring my phone. Like, she'll bring her phone for GPS in case we're going into the city and, like, 
I'll get us there, but like her phone will stay in the car and my phone is sitting at my house. So like that ensures that I am present with her. And that's like something that I didn't do when I was coaching. Um, but again, like coming for a full circle to make this tactical for coaches, like, can you set a timer on your phone if you're going to watch instead at home? And can you do it for an hour? And like, it's the Parkinson's law thing that starts coming in. Like, if you don't set a time limit, you're just going to sit on Insta all day. Like, you'll do it for 10 hours. And you'll watch the next three teams that you're going to play after break. You'll, like, you'll do the whole thing. Like, we've all been there. But if you set a time limit on your phone and you say, I'm going to watch film for an hour. I'm going to get everything I can on our next opponent or whatever. And that's it. And then I'm going to go hang out in the backyard with everyone and have a drink or whatever you do. Um, so I think that there's like maybe starting to think of forcing functions about how we can better kind of manage that. If you have any ideas or want to pull on that at all. Yeah. Um, for me, like I'm not really too familiar with that forcing function term, but I see what you're saying with it. To me, it's like a rule is a similar thing. It's like, an example is like a, you could make a rule for yourself that like when you come home your phone goes on do not disturb or when you come home your computer's closed like whoa i mean another example would be like you're t you, you brought up like the forcing function of leaving your bag uh wherever like not bring it home for break like leave your computer at work which is like easier said than done and sometimes not possible um given like it could be unrelated to work things, but you need your computer to do something else. I don't know. So like, it's different for everyone. Um, but being able to create like these rules that again, like you can be flexible with them. And like, it's not to suggest that like, if, if you know, you, for example, if you're like, I'm never going to be on my computer past 11, but you, your team plays a game at seven o'clock and it ends at nine and you're on the bus from 10 to midnight. Like, it's okay to be on your, you don't have to be like that strict with it. Cause that's probably a good time to be on your computer. You got a two hour bus ride. What else are you going to do? Uh, better to do that than do it at two in the morning. Like go get some rest. We've talked about that before. Um, but I think like being able to, to set like some rules and boundaries or like you call them forcing functions and thinking about like, where else could I create these? Not for the sake of just being bound by certain constraints, but like, having them in place so that you do spend time actually talking to the person you're at dinner with instead of on your phone the whole time, or you do spend time when you come home, um, being present in whatever it is that you're doing instead of sitting on your computer. And it is so easy to, to not do those things and to passively just watch, like you said, instead or passively click through schedules. Like it's really easy to do that kind of stuff. And you have to, kind of stop and think to yourself like did i really listen to what was I, whatever was just being said or um i mean another one that's dangerous but i think a lot of people do is like you text and drive and then you think like did i even notice the landmarks i just went by like like i just drove three miles and i don't even really remember what went by me because i was i was driving well enough to just make sure i didn't crash today anyway but i didn't actually pick up on what was going around me because i was looking at my phone the whole time like it's an easy other scenario where like you 
you you think you're doing okay, you think you're doing it fine, but it's not it's not being done to a safe level there and, and a level that's really like that should be acceptable. Yeah. The other thing that comes to my mind as you're talking about that too, like I'll tell players all the time and it's something that again we tell our players one thing and then we don't necessarily practice what we preach. But like I tell players all the time, like you can go in the shooting room and shoot six hundred putts. But if you're not shooting all six hundred with intent, like you might be wasting your time. And if we're passively clicking through schedules or we're like the illusion that we're busy and like if we're doing that sort of stuff and we're just kind of passively looking over stat sheets or whatever, but we're not like all the way in it, we're just consumed by it instead of like in it. Um, it's essentially shooting 600 pucks without a care in the world instead of shooting 600 pucks like every single one is game seven and it has to go through the back of the net. Um, so that's another thought that kind of popped in my head. Like this whole, it's really, it really boils down to like intention and intensity level. And like, that can be another awareness clue too. It's like, am I doing what I'm about to do? Or maybe it's even filter question beforehand. Like, am I about to do this at full intensity or am I just kind of passively doing it? And if I'm doing that, then maybe I just like, let's not do it and experiment with like what that ends up costing me, or maybe it doesn't cost me at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, they're hard. They're like, they're hard questions to ask yourself. Cause it's, you you can easily like, trick yourself I think they're like no I'm doing I'm doing well like I did hear what you said or I did pay mm -hmm. attention to what was going on but just like that I guess I guess I'm thinking of it now like it's that passive consumption of just like other information that's not really necessary but it's hard to put away um, and, it, and it really only gets harder with like the phone and the computer and everything like that makes it so easy to access more information all the time and you sometimes feel like you're getting behind if you don't have it. Um, so they're, they're like, those are tough awareness clues to key into yourself or key into about yourself because it's hard to recognize. But the more like, and I think a good way to start would be like, just have, make a note of things that you normally quote normally do and then try to measure throughout the year like, were there points or time was there were there points in time where I did these more or less often and was that a result of me being more or less stressed or um was there any reason behind it and it can give you a good idea of like what your baseline is and then what it looks like when you're maybe struggling or whatever anxious nervous stressed out whatever that word might be for you Yeah, a little bit, I don't think it's necessarily off topic, but I'm going to go here because I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this. Um, but just with this idea of, and we've talked on previous episodes and we've written an article about it and we'll link that one. And I'm going to try and find this tweet and link it. I'm not going to waste your time uh, or anyone listening because I don't have it pulled up right now, but I have the general like idea 
Mm-hmm. And we talk about basically we were just talking about like passively thumbing through stuff and like the the busyness illusion um, that we have to be doing something. And I saw this tweet, and again I'll link it. I don't I forget who it's by, but it's, his name's Adam Davidson. Actually, I remember. But anyway, Adam is talking about how one of these other big accounts in like coach development, player development was talking about like, how can we create players if we're not doing X and that part doesn't really matter. But he hopped in with like a quote tweet and started just talking about like the semantics of what was being said. And he's like, we're not creating players because creation implies that you have ownership and like, let's say if you have a business and you own that business, like there are people like Alex Hormozzi who talk about, you know, I work 16 hours a day on it. Like I love doing it. It's mine. And like, I have the fuel to do it because I own it. But Adam's point is we're not creating players. We're essentially gardening. And I think some coaches in like the mainstream have used that term, but gardening is setting an environment for the players or the plants to grow. And you don't go out and garden all day. Like you can't water your garden for 16 hours. Like all the shit will die. Um, You can't like till the soil for 16 hours every single day. So like gardening applies this principle of like what is required and i think based on what we're talking about here that's kind of i'll leave it open-ended but i think it's kind of fascinating how i how we kind of have weaved that in so i'm interested what you think about like this whole ownership creating versus gardening analogy i haven't heard of that one before um i would what comes to mind for me is like it's the way that you approach it's all relative the way that you would approach your team or or i guess not your team but players within your team is different just like the way you would approach different plants in a garden so if you know that like a sunflower needs a cup of water every day and you know some other flower needs or some other plant even needs two cups of water a day then you alter what you do or maybe one other plant just needs a half a cup of water a week like well don't give the sunflower a half a cup of water a week because it'll die but also don't give that other plant a cup of water a day when it only needs half a week uh and i think like knowing what your garden needs is obviously important it's no different than like knowing what your team needs if your team needs constant feedback constant conversation constant opportunity to talk about different things then you need to provide that for them because ultimately like what's in front of you that's your garden and even if you don't think it's necessary if they do then that's all that matters and we've talked about this before with like adapting and and being um i guess malleable and able to adapt to the environment you're in and finding yourself like if you need to tailor your approach to the team you're coaching like it's on you to do that and i think that's similar what comes to mind for me is similar to this so like you you have to 
figure out what it is. And it's not easy. Like it, it, you're not going to find out day one uh, what your team needs or what the team that you're working with needs. But once you figure out like what is the best approach for them to learn and for them to grow, then like you got to set that environment. So if you know that your team, like let's just use, I'll use film just as the medium for this. But if you know that your team really doesn't gain much from watching film as a full team don't have full team film weekly because it's just not going to help instead figure out when your team or different guys on your team can meet throughout the week or even the weekend and watch with just the forwards just the d just the power play group just a pk group maybe it's a, a unit of five whatever it is and uh figure out like what the best approach is for them and then try that instead of being like well full team film is the most time efficient for me as a coach or for us as a team and we've got to do it like if it's not working it's not working and no matter how hard you try it's not the guys aren't going to take that or the girls your team isn't going to take that and this is a little bit off uh on a tangent but i think i'll i'll throw this out there because i think there may be something for you to pick up on it like the book uh, we're right now reading extreme ownership as a team. Um, the book by Jocko and Jocko Willink and Leif, Leif Babin. And there's a point in there about, I believe it's, it's either decentralized. I think it's decentralized command with basically just really quickly, not as a leader at the top, you don't have to be the one that gives out all the orders all the time. It's just impossible. So you got to have like subordinates underneath you that can carry out those missions for you. And I think they reference either from the military or another, another walk of life, but there's research has been done and like people can only realistically have a good locus of control, a good grasp on um, the ability to influence five or six people at a time. So you think about a coach, like even if you, I mean, let's just leave like NHL and like, high-end division one staffs out of this because they're going to have six seven eight coaches but let's talk about like what majority of teams have anywhere from two to four four is probably high two is standard like you got 25 to 30 players you can't possibly influence every guy all the time even if you split the team in half so like you can resign to just like never being able to do that and never being able to accomplish it or like you can use your captains for example as a medium and now most teams have somewhere from two to four captains. So imagine you have two coaches, 30 guys. One coach can take five or six. Other coach has five or six. Captains have one captain has five or six. Other captain has five or six. Now you've just essentially touched on every guy in the team, give or take a few. And to me, it's similar to the gardening example because like, if you, if you try to water the garden all day every day, probably not going to get anywhere. Plants aren't going to grow. If you try to influence and control 30 guys all the time as one, probably not going to get anywhere and you're going to lose control. But if you're able to put other people in positions of power and you have captains for a reason, if you're able to delegate and like they call it in the book, decentralized command, if you're able to have decentralized command from the, the head coach or assistant coaches, just the coaching staff down to the captains, now everyone in this organization, all 30 guys, will feel like they have a piece 
like a piece of this program is theirs and they are important and they are valued. And whether it's you talking to them as a coach or the coach or the captain is talking to them, they're, they're being led and they're being influenced by someone that they're likely to follow versus just, Hey, one coach, he has to lead and influence every single guy on the team. I mean, it's almost if, if the freaking military can't do it, which is probably the pressure cooker, best leadership, um, at least in our country, like consistently putting out really, putting out really good leaders. I don't know if that's even what I'm trying to say, but like they're, they're known for their excellent leadership tactics. If they are not able to do it and they don't even attempt, I don't think any coach should be. So it's a little different than the gardening example, but to me, I think it, it segues into similar, uh, similar yeah. topic. Thing, a couple things come to my mind. One, um, one of the first things that I put into practice when I was coaching the junior team, I had heard Cody Royal talk about. He has, and I might butcher it slightly, but if I was to say I'm paraphrasing him, he says, um, you're not the best coach for every player on your team. And so there would be times throughout the season where I wanted to get a message across to a player, but I wasn't that player's favorite coach on staff. So I would ask Todd to send that message if they had a better relationship and there was more like and respect there between them than there was more like and respect between me and him. Um, or sometimes I would go to a player that was his buddy. And I was like, hey, are you seeing this? And he's like, yeah. I was like, can you talk to him? Um, because I knew I wasn't going to win like that one-on-one -on -one confrontation, hard conversation from the gap that we had in our relationship. I had to go to someone that had a smaller or no gap in the relationship to try and get that accomplished. Um, so I'm 100% with you on that. And then the other one, I think I wrote about it in the hockey think tank. I'll try and find it. But I don't know if he still uses it now in Vegas, but I'm guessing with the success that he had in Boston, he still does. But this is me speculating. But in Boston, uh, Bruce Cassidy used uh, basically a huge accountability buddy system. So instead of having... Like in the book, they talk about unit leaders and like breaking it down into five and six. Um, I tried that with my team. But with Boston, it was one to one. Like one person had their guy. So like Chara walked in the room and like his dude was McAvoy. And if Charlie was fucking off for whatever reason, like that was Z's conversation to have. And they just had a huge one to one accountability buddy system. So they had call it 20, 20 guys in a room. I mean, more than that. They had 10 pairs of two. And everyone had their guy. And if their guy was fucking off or not up to standard or however more professional you want to put that than I did, um, that was just the conversation and responsibility of one person. So um, I think that's like, if you can get that, and like Boston had like a pretty special leadership group at the time with Chara and Bergeron and Craig G and all those guys. But like, I think if you can get to that, that is pretty good. 
Yeah. In a scenario like that, it's like accountability is always talked about in coaching or just in sports in general. Like, honestly, just in life, like we all talk about like taking ownership or being accountable, holding yourself accountable, whatever. And like, there's no, there's basically no room for error in a scenario like that where it's one to one. Like, if, if you have McAvoy and he's not holding himself to the standard that the team has set, well, like that's on sure it's on McAvoy, but it's it's really on you to call him out for it. And if McAvoy gets away with it, okay, it's McAvoy's fault. I'm I'm mad at you, Chara or whoever it is, because you're the one who's supposed to be in charge of this and who's watching for this. And I think like it's a it's also in that an extreme ownership book, but it's like you talk about a mission goes wrong and you can blame can blame the guy who maybe made the mistake but what about the leader at the top that's really the guy at the end of the day who you're upset with so it's you know a hockey example is like you tell your captain hey actually i won't even i won't give a theoretical we have i have a good example of this we we had a team building exercise when i first got the tufts last year um with a, an outside company that comes in and works like on, on a lot of like uh, leadership principles through they're all, most of them are all military background. And so you, you do stuff like we did stuff on a weeknight from like five to 10 PM roughly. And then you go home, it's about 1030 by the time you leave. So whatever you're, maybe you go to, you know, you didn't eat dinner or anything. So you're going to bed at maybe midnight and then you're up at four in the morning and you're back. And there's a, before you leave, everyone is told, all the guys in the team are told, like, bring a backpack. You need to have a notebook, a pencil, not a pen, a pencil, a pair, an extra pair of socks, not the ones on your feet, um, whatever else. And then at 445, you need to be in this parking lot where we were meeting and we're, we'll do a check where everyone checks if you brought everything. So fast forward we get there um everyone's on time which is like a good start you're like oh nice like no one showed up late that's good and one guy the previous day had been assigned like the check leader like he was supposed to make sure that that's not true he was in charge he was not no one he was not given any instructions he was just in charge make sure everyone is there that's all he was told everyone's there they go through and check everyone's bag dump your bag out a bottle of water was one of the things one guy was missing the extra pair of socks. Everyone else brought everything. And the guys who, who lead this, um, this organization, they were like, we're not mad at the one guy who forgot his pair of socks. The guy who's at fault is, and he pointed to the kid who had, he had assigned as the leader for that day. He was like, there's, there's two things. One, you didn't run a check before we got here. So, Maybe, I don't know when this kid showed up who forgot the socks, but say this kid showed up at 4.35 and you didn't need to be there till 4.45. Could he have ran home and gotten an extra pair of socks? Maybe. Could everyone have had checked their cars to see if they had an extra pair of socks? Could you have ran to the athletic center and found a pair of socks? Like just something. Was there a solution that you missed out on in those 10 minutes? You didn't even check to see if that was possible. So now everyone's on time, but you're missing shit. And two, the other piece of it was like, yeah, it is his fault in that he didn't bring the socks he needed to bring, but it's your job as a leader to be held accountable. So I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at the leader of this group. 
and I think that's a really interesting thing that ties into what you're saying with the Bruins because it's like I can be mad if I'm Bruce Cassidy I can be mad at Charlie McAvoy for deviating from like the standard that we have as a team but I really I'm mad at Zdeno Chara for allowing that to happen and only if Chara knows his job is to is to hold McAvoy accountable can I be mad at Chara and the other way is like well I'm mad at McAvoy for deviating from the standard and now I as coach have to yell at him and like I can do that with him maybe because we have that relationship or just because I noticed it. But like, undoubtedly, if you're the head coach or assistant coach and you are in charge of watching every single guy, you're, you're going to at times miss guys or miss things. Unless you have a staff of four, five, six, in which case then you probably can, you know, divvy up the whole team and have only four or five guys to watch at a time. But if you're, if you're Bruce Cassidy, and I don't even know who his assistants were, but if you're Cassidy and let's call it two assistants, like you might miss some guys between a pregame skate, a, a, you know, a workout, whatever, like you might, you just might miss things. But if you have a buddy system like that in place, you're going to eliminate the possibility to miss things. And now if you notice McAvoy doing that again, you can just, you can hold Chara accountable for it. And it, to me, it makes a much more efficient. It makes for a much more efficient accountability process and a better culture because also now McAvoy knows Chara's on me because that's his job. Whereas if coach is on me, I'm like, why is coach down my neck? Like he's always on my ass. You can, you can get personal with it. If you know that Chara's assigned to watch you and he just comes over and talks to you because that's his job. All right. I'm cool with Chara. I should be cool with Chara getting on me because I know he's, he's doing what he's been asked to do. It's not personal. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like, I think Brian Kite talks about like the idea of twenty square feet, and like it's kind of similar to that. And like one thing he's big on is like his systems of implementation being simple because simple gives you speed. So when the check can be okay, like Charlie's under the standard here. Let's look to Z to see if he can course correct and like make a productive um have a productive conversation or a productive intervention here like you go from looking at one person to looking at someone else and then as the coach if you're catching that like you can see one two and then it becomes on me as the coach to then step in there but if you're giving ownership to the players and i mean i think it's I'd have to go back to it, but I think it's Mark Bennett talks about the rule of three almost to a T. Like you have responsibility over self and then you have that accountability buddy. He's two and then three is the coach. So like it's the same situation. I'm looking at Charlie up to the standard or not. If he's not, then it goes to two. Is two going to say something to one? Okay, he didn't. I'm three. I say something. And if your system is that simple, that gives you the speed to be able to implement and have more successful interventions. Um, so that kind of ties a couple people's teaching together. But uh, yeah, if you got thoughts on that at all. Yeah, the, well, I like the the simple aspect of it is important, right? Like if, if you've got this complicated checking process, then it's hard in in the moment. Like these these scenarios that we're talking about, realistically, they're happening very quickly. Like it's it's a rep of a drill that you notice is below your team standard or 
it's a shift in a game. So if you have like this, well, I got to, you know, Chara's got to talk to Cassidy and make sure he's okay with it. And then Cassidy's got to approve of it. And then I can go talk to McAvoy. Like we're not doing that in the middle of a practice. We're definitely not doing that in the middle of a game on a bench. It's not even beneficial for Cassidy to be worrying about that as a coach at that, at that point in the game. So you got to have simple processes, simple checks in place. The simpler it can be, the easier you can, not the obviously the easier, the simpler it can be, the faster you can get it done. And that will eliminate the ability for these problems to fester and grow. And um, I think like any scenarios where you can, or any opportunities you have to input these like, or to put in place these simple sort of checks like that, ultimately like you're going to have, I think, better return on them because you're going to have, you're going to be able to identify problems quicker. You're going to be able to solve problems quicker. And like I said, things aren't going to be able to grow into these bigger issues because you've neglected them for weeks at a time, um, you know, trying to identify the, it's, and it's not a hockey example, but like think of how complicated the process is, no matter what state you're in of like going to the DMV for like a license or <laughs> a, a new, uh, what's it called? A, uh, a new license plate. Like, you got to wait in line. You got to make sure you have 17 papers on file. Oh, you didn't bring one. Then you got to come back and do this all over again. Like it's not simple. And we all recognize it's not, and we all complain about the same thing. So like, don't be, don't do that with your own organization. Don't put all these different checks in place that are really complicated and you need to make sure they all fall in line in order to make it work. Like as simple as can possibly be is going to, again, allow for you to address the problems quickly and also not allow them to fester and grow into these bigger issues. Yeah, I think that's huge. The last thing I'll say on that is like part of my growth as a coach, like you get, again, like we talked about almost a, kind of at the beginning, like we get super excited to do, to do this work and like we want to be seen as we're doing the work and like even in quiet moments, we're still thinking about the work sometimes. And like when I was starting with my junior team, like got the idea from like Fergus Connolly to put together like a game model and a culture playbook and stuff like that. And I think my culture playbook at the time was like 17 pages um, of Word document. And like, I was like, that's small enough. Like that's not, it's a chapter of a book. Like if I ask my players to go over this in training camp and then keep it with them, like, no problem. And like, I put that out and open sourced it um, for people just to see. And then if I'm ever coaching again, I'll publish my new one, but I already have it pared down to like five pages. So um, it's just one of those things where we get like super excited to put all these different systems and stuff in place. And then you try and run it in real life. And you're like, it has to be simpler or we're never going to get where we need to go. So just a personal example. Yeah. And what you said, it usually does come from a good place. Like you're excited and you want to make sure it's like you put forward the best program or game game plan that you possibly can. Like it does, I think anyways, like come from a good, a good place where you're just trying to make sure you don't forget things or you don't leave things uh, unaddressed, but it's hard. It's, 17 pages doesn't sound like a lot as a coach. He's like, these are all important. But like our 17 pages of 
systems easy to process for a 19, 20, 22, 23 year old? Like probably not. That's a lot. It's a lot for anyone to process. And how can you simplify that to make sure that like, what are the three things that just absolutely I can't negotiate on? Like I have to make sure we know these things. Let's go deep on those three things because that is going to be simpler for us. And it gets back to what I was saying. Like it's going to allow you to address problems quicker when they come up. Cause if one of these three things are below the standard we want, it's not hard to, not hard to notice. But if we have seven things we're watching for, like I might miss one, I might miss two. And now like, which one do we address? Cause we have three that we need to address. But we only have two days of practice. Like it becomes really difficult. But if you just yeah. have like the simpler and it's not to say that you need fewer, but the simpler and sometimes fewer they, they are, or there are, then the better our the better ability you have to now address them and make sure that, um, you know, things are to the standard that you want for your team or organization. 100%. We'll leave it there. Share the show and we will see you on the next one.